Good morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. Please join me as we sing the doxology. It's in the red hymnal number 549. And we'll begin by singing the doxology together. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, a teacher of the law, tried to trap him with a question. Teacher, he asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law of Moses and the teachings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 445, More About Jesus I Would Know. Number 445 in your red hymnal, More About Jesus I Would Know.
choir. It's always good to hear you singing when I'm up here. I know I'm not doing this alone. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, first of all, we are so thankful that you have given us this wonderful opportunity to come and worship you in this institution. And God, we do not take this freedom for granted, but are so thankful for all of the servicemen and women that have served this country to provide us this opportunity to freely worship as we choose. And Lord, we thank you for the sacrifices that they have made. And Lord, we also think of the families of service members as well, for they too have made many of the same sacrifices of their loved ones for the freedoms that we enjoy. And God, as we come before you with the needs and requests that we have on our lives, Lord, we are just sensing your spirit, understanding that as we call out to you that in all things, you want to know about all of our needs. You want us to share with you all of the insecurities that we have, all the fears, all of the wantings, all of the challenges. And Lord, we just lay before you those things right now. We think of family members and of friends. We think of patients throughout this medical center. We think of family members who will be visiting today. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer. And God, also, we just pray for those people in which your presence of spirit is calling to our minds right now people that we haven't thought about for a long time. But Lord, right now, your spirit is guiding us individually to lift them up to you in prayer. And God, we are doing that right now. And Lord, we also think about our servicemen and women that are serving overseas, that are deployed to far-off distant lands. We'd ask that you would be with them. And Lord, that you would also help the chaplains to provide the ministry that they all need. So they will be able to see and understand you in their lives in a very special way. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 433 in your red hymnal. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Number 
Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Titus, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, in Christ Jesus our Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful that We have had this opportunity to worship, and God, we have read scriptures together, we have sung hymns together, we have said prayers together. And God, I would ask that this act of worship would continue as we do so together. Help me now, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would one of you close the back doors back there, please? I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord back there, but sometimes they forget that we're worshiping. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay. Now that we can get to work, right? Last week I was uh, part of a panel of chaplains, and we were talking about different things in terms of how to provide ministry to veterans. And we had a lot of clergy uh, here from the Phoenix area, and I was part of this panel discussion. But before we began that panel discussion, there was a previous session in which a chaplain from a, a different VA was talking about different aspects of service members and when they're in combat and what they face. And he specifically said that he is there to talk about and to comment the research that he's been involved in as a chaplain, as a researcher. And so he was there to talk about the head aspect, right, of people that have served in various combat situations. And then the other person that was there was someone who I had served with actually in Iraq. And I had not seen him since Iraq. And he was there to talk about the heart of ministering to people that have served in combat situations. In fact, uh, when I saw him, I I must admit that I was moved with a lot of deep emotion. In fact, he had retired, and he retired as a Navy captain. We were both Navy chaplains serving with Marines in OIF-2. If any of you remember when that was, that was a long time ago. And his name is Chaplain Targonsky, and he's a Franciscan. And, of course, I hadn't seen him since I left in 2005. I've got to remember how long ago it was. And he was a Franciscan. He was dressed up in his robes, and he had the big beard on and everything like that. And I recognized him, obviously. But it was so good to see him because we embraced each other, and I think in a very loving way, in a, in a very way that was very dear to me. And so it was his turn to talk, and he was talking about the heart aspects of people's lives spiritually. And one of the things that surprised me, he began to talk about me and how I had his back in Iraq. And those of us that have been 
in combat situations, we know what that term means. I got your back. And instead of him talking about himself and what he had went through, he was talking about me and sharing the ministry that we shared together. I felt kind of overwhelmed by that, for you see, Chaplain Targonsky was the senior chaplain when the Marines engaged the enemy in Fallujah. And if you remember that battle, he was the chaplain. He was the command chaplain there to provide ministry. And so I felt kind of overwhelmed by that because he was talking about me instead of talking about himself, which I thought was far more important. But you see, he didn't want to do that because he wanted to share in the ministry that we had shared together, the things that we had in common. He was chaplain of the Regiment 17, which is out of 29 Palms, and he just loves his Marines. In fact, we all know that. We have a nickname for him. We call him Popeye. And the reason why we call him Popeye is he has these guns that you wouldn't believe. I mean, he pumps iron. And so we call him Popeye, you know. And he's respected by all of the Marines that he served with. In fact, all of the Navy chaplains that have served with him. Because he's just a person that indwells and manifests the truth of God in his life. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody like that, but just their presence, right, creates a, a feeling of peace, a feeling of tranquility. And Chaplain Targonsky, Father Targonsky, he, he shows that. He demonstrates that. And so as we talk about truth and as we talk about the godliness and the basis of our lives and the truth that represent who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. The question I want to ask you, as I've asked myself, is what do we project in the truth of what we represent in Christ? We always don't get it right. In fact, I was kind of thinking about how I would do this introduction and Two things I thought about doing is asking a show of hands of anybody here who thinks they're perfect. Of course, there would be no showing of hands. And then, of course, asking of hands of those people who think that they are not hypocrites. And, of course, there should be no showing of hands. Because we all fall short of the godliness that God wants us to have. But that does not mean that we don't give up on the truth that we follow in Jesus Christ. For you see, it is the basis of what we believe. Understanding the knowledge of the truth that we have in Christ that is there to create in each and every one of us a godliness that demonstrates the truth of what we believe in. Now please understand, we don't get it right. I don't get it right. I'm sure if I sat down and thought about it, I could tell you how many times I already failed this morning and did not get it right. Specifically when I have to drive on the freeway, right? And people cut you off. I don't need to express that anymore. I didn't get it right today, okay? I try really hard, but all of a sudden I find language in my vocabulary that I thought was unknown to me. But you know what? We do should strive to get it right in godliness because we do have the knowledge of Christ in our lives. And so what that means is in all that we do and all that we say, we should make the attempt 
to do the right thing, to make the attempt to try to get it right. Because we are projecting in our lives, the people that are around us, what we represent, who we are. I mean, do we represent truth or do we represent a lie? And I think it's important for us to understand that, that as we represent that truth, we are demonstrating who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the truth, and if we have an understanding of the knowledge of truth, what does that mean? Well, when you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and all of us have different journeys in terms of how we obtain that understanding that God needs to be in our lives. Some of us, it's a gradual journey, and all of a sudden you just come to the understanding, hey, I know that I'm with God through Jesus Christ. For others, it's a perhaps a Damascus Road experience when all of a sudden you see God in a very unique way and you make a profession of faith. That too is a journey as well. As we think about our journey in God and how we came to know Jesus Christ, how was that truth revealed to you? That truth was revealed to you through the Spirit of God through the presence of you and God together. And because that truth was revealed to you in a very special and unique way, sometimes it's difficult for you to share. It's difficult for you to put into words that exact experience. But yet you know that there is a truth that has taken place in your life. A truth that represents that you have a relationship with God. A truth that represents that you have that hope in God. The hope in the life that we have now that we share together. The hope of eternal life that it is to come. And that that truth is present with you now. You have possession of it. It belongs to you. It has been given to you unconditionally. And if you had to explain that truth, if you were questioned about that truth, if you had to take a deposition, as they say, about that truth, how would you respond? How would you respond to the questions such as, do you know and understand the grace of God in your life? Do you know and understand the mercy of God in your life? Do you know and understand the love of God in your life? And how would you respond to those questions? The answer should be that you know of those things because of the truth that God has revealed to you in your own life. And that truth is demonstrated by all that we do, by all that we say. And that within our daily lives we endeavor to do the right thing. Our goal is to do the right thing. Because when we do that, we are exhibiting the knowledge of the truth that we have. We have embraced God through the faith that we have. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things yet unseen. 
And so we embrace God with that faith. We embrace God with the knowledge that God is present in our lives. We understand that as we embrace the knowledge of truth and as we live by faith, that within our lives there should be presented a life of godliness. Not of perfection. Because we will never reach that goal here on this earth, in this life. But yet within our own lives, it's not the perfection. It's the fact that you and I strive for godliness, to live for God the best way that we can with His strength and with His power. The relationships that we have with each other, do we endeavor to live in godliness the best way that we possibly can. And then we find ourselves in situations where God has to do the rest. And I think it's an opportunity for us to see within our own lives that we need to have godliness. We need to have godliness every step of the way in our lives, every step of our journey. That should be our goal, that which we should endeavor to follow. Understanding that as we embrace God, we see that within our lives there is an outward working that is taking place, an outward projection of who we are in Christ, an outward projection of compassion of God in our lives. Because when we demonstrate compassion to others, We are showing and we are revealing the truth of who God is in our lives. We are revealing the truth of the appreciation that we have of God in our lives by demonstrating that appreciation with compassion to others. Because when we do that, we are truly characterizing our desire to please God in all things. Our desire to demonstrate that godliness. Our desire to show how thankful we are to God by demonstrating to each other that love and that compassion. And yes, we are going to have bad days. Yes, we are going to have bad weeks. Yes, we are going to have bad months. And yes, we might even have bad years. But yet, the truth of God in our lives does not leave us. Regardless of what our actions temporarily might say about our relationship with Him in Christ, God never leaves you. God has never forsaken you in your life. Now there are times if you are like me where you attempt to run away from God when God gives you direction and purpose in a specific way in a specific relationship and you don't want to have anything to do with it because you want to do it your way because you think that you know how to do it better than God and I am guilty of those things. So you and I, we stand together in that. You do not stand alone. But yet God 
has never left you and God has never left me when we have taken that course of action. Because if God would leave us, then God would not be representing that truth that he wants us to have in our lives. Does that make sense? Because if God truly does love us, if God truly does care for us, if God truly has forgiven us, if God truly has given us that grace, if God truly has given us that mercy, that it is truly impossible for us to walk away from God because of that truth that he has placed in our lives through the presence of his Spirit. So if we understand that, And once again, that understanding is something that we engage on a daily basis. And it's going to be two steps forward and one step back. But you know what? You're always moving forward. You always are engaging the things that God wants you to do in your life by having a life of godliness. Because you know it's the basis of how we are to live. And as we demonstrate that godliness... We see that all that we do, all that we demonstrate, is that understanding, is that knowledge of God that we have. Because how can we share with others things that we ourselves do not know? Things that we ourselves do not understand. But as we grow in that knowledge of God, we grow in the truth of God. And we see again and again as he has forgiven us, we too can forgive. Not in the way in which the world says that we should forgive, but in what God says that we should forgive. That it is a canceled debt, you give up the perceived right to get even, and you give up the whole attitude that you owe me. Because those three areas of forgiveness we can all do with God in our lives. Those three things. And God gives us the strength to do those three things. So we can exercise more and more the truth of godliness in our lives. Because when Christ forgave us on the cross, Those are the three things that he did. Those are the three things that he forgave us for. And when we understand that, we see that our lives begin to take on that form of godliness. And people begin to see that godliness. People begin to see that we are different. Not to be different for different sake, but because we are different. Because a transformation is taking place within our lives. The things that we show and we demonstrate as evidence that we are embracing the truth of God. The godliness that God wants us to show and to demonstrate. The holiness that he wants us to have. For you see, when we do those things, when we give the evidence that we understand the knowledge of that truth in God, then we see for our own selves, and then others begin to see, 
the genuine calling that we have to be followers of Jesus Christ. For you see, the genuine calling of being a follower of Jesus Christ is not being a chaplain, not being a pastor, it's not being a preacher. You and I have the same calling. And yes, perhaps, maybe through God's grace, what it is, and God's mercy, which it is, there might be a set apart for me to be a chaplain, a pastor, a preacher. But you and I have the same calling as followers of Jesus Christ. You and I are all equal in the struggles that we have in producing that godliness that's to represent the truth of who we are. You and I are all equal in that. Now, your struggles might be different than my struggles, but guess what? We are all still struggling in our relationship with God. And because of that, we see in that genuine calling that more and more as we follow God, we endeavor to do those things that are right because we want to. We endeavor to pursue godliness because we want to not because we have to. Because when we do something because we want to, it truly demonstrates what we believe in. For you see, belief means absolutely nothing unless we have a commitment to the conviction of those beliefs in God. That we have a commitment to those things that have convicted us of sin, that have convicted us of the fact that you and I were separated from God and that Jesus Christ provided that bridge that now we are unified with God in all things. And because of that, we hear the calling of God in our lives and we want to follow God more and more in all the things that we do to demonstrate that godliness. Because when we demonstrate that godliness and we show that truth and we project that compassion and that love of God to others, it keeps us. This is where the good selfish part takes place. It keeps us on the right track with God. It keeps us on the right journey with God. It keeps us from falling. It keeps us from falling on the face of our lives when we make a mistake. For you see, we know that when we do those things, when we do fall on our face, we know that because we are following that genuine calling, we pick ourselves up. God embraces us. God demonstrates His love. God shows that through that grace that we can continue to walk and journey with Him. And so we demonstrate that truth. We remain rich in our relationship with God. Because we do that, we produce a life that demonstrates godliness. We produce a life that shows the light of God in our lives to others. Something that we show because we want others to come to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, just like we have.
And we see that the godliness in our lives is something that we have not done. But it's something that the Spirit of God has transformed us to show and that demonstrate that love. Because in that love, we show and we describe God to others. So that is the basis of our godliness, to understand the truth of what we represent in Christ. And we do so joyfully. We do so in a cheerful manner. We do so with a joke. We do so with a smile. Because that's how God embraces us. And I remind myself, saying this to myself in a nice way, God, you have a sense of humor because you created me. And we should laugh about that. Because in the same way, God has a sense of humor because he created you in his image. So let us endeavor to do so cheerfully as we go forward in our lives today and this week and this month and this year, remembering the godliness that God wants us to have because it truly demonstrates the knowledge of the truth that we have in Christ. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion. And we practice open communion here in our chapel. And what that means is if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're welcome to take communion with us. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have created each and every one of us. And we know, God, that at times the joke may be on us because we are your creation. But, Lord, we are so thankful that you do love us, that you do care for us in all of the circumstances that we are in. And, God, we always fall short of the godliness that you want us to have. But we know that we can get up and start moving forward again and again because you love us and that you do forgive us just the way that we are. And Lord, we confess before you those sins, those burdens, those challenges that have separated us from your love. And Lord, we want to remove those walls and we want to be one with you in that knowledge and in that truth so that we can walk in godliness. Thank you, God, for forgiving us of all things. In Christ's name, amen.
For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he broke it, he gave thanks and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. <coughs> Excuse me. Please turn with me in your red hymnals to our closing hymn, number 431. Open my eyes that I may see. God, help us to see that truth in our lives. Give us that understanding to project that truth clearly to others so that they can see the love of God in our lives that is there for them. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.